Thank you for joining Inside the Pages, presented by the Cornerstone. We're located at 524 East Pasadena Street in the city of Pomona, California. Sunday praise and worship begins at 9 a.m. Wednesday Bible study at 7 p.m. And we're going to be talking about men focus. We're going to reintroduce men focus. So stand by for that day and time. I want you to know we believe the Bible is the word of God. Therefore, we're faithful, we're bold. We believe the best way to face opposition is by obedience to the word of God. Again, I want to thank you for joining the online services of the Cornerstone of Grace. If you're looking for a church home, growth ministry, I want to invite you to join us, grow with us, and be blessed with us. And I just mentioned uh, men focus. We're going to relaunch it, you know, and you can tell everybody it's for men and women, but men focus deals with issues and it's a open discussion, meaning that we look forward to you calling in and participating, not listening, not spectating, but participating. And so I want to invite you to be part of the men focus. Um, so we will announce a date and time for that. Now, we're in the book of Genesis, not going to time, but we're in the book of Genesis. We're touching what is referred to as the law of particularization. So we're moving from the general to the particulars. What is God saying? What is what does he want uh, from us? And it's important to know that uh, believing in God is not enough. Many people believe in God, and when they and so they claim call themselves Christians because they believe in God. And that's as far as it go as a belief. But belief without action is really adds up to nothing. And you'll find that to be true in whatever aspect of life that you're dealing with. You can believe it, but if there's no action behind that belief, then that's all it is. It's just a belief. I believe I could fly. I believe I could touch the sky. You know, that's a song. But I've never taken wings and have flown, and I've not touched the sky outside of being in an airplane. Now, listen, and I do understand what the lyrics of the song are talking about. But I want you to understand, and it's so important that we understand what the Bible is talking about. Now, we're dealing with the law of particularizations, moving from general to the particulars, the universe, earth, man, and spirit. There's no way to talk about God without talking about all of these things. Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God formed man in his own image. And man was nothing but a pile of dirt until God blew in his nostrils. Now, man was not laying there wondering if he would he ever be able to move he was not there was no conscious awareness 
There was nothing except dirt formed as God had formed it. And then he blew in his nostrils and man became a living soul. So it wasn't until that point that God uh, blew that there was a reaction, uh, there was a chemical bonding and a number of things that occurred within that pile of dirt that became the first man and man became a living soul. I had an interesting conversation with someone that, uh, about the blood in the body. We're not going to go into that tonight, but when we talk about the particularizations and different things, um, someone said that man had blood flowing through his veins at that time, and others have said that he did not. And I have scripture that shows that, um, that you, as a child of God, uh, can live without blood. And so, but we're not going to deal with that this evening. I just want to point out that when we talk about particularization, we're talking about the universe, earth, man, and spirit. And we're touching the creation and the principal person who is the cosmological cause of all things and the teleological, the designing mind behind everything. He designed Adam, uh, Eve came from Adam, and we all are... Uh, from that lineage. And so the Bible tells us over in the 15th chapter, the, the first verse, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and exceeding great reward. I want to remind you that, you that God is your greatest asset. There's nothing better that you'll ever have than a relationship with God. And so we need to hold on to that, all of us, each of us. It doesn't matter where you are, who you are. And you need to know this, that God is your protection and that he is your greatest reward. In Genesis 17 and 1, it says that and when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the, the almighty God walk before me and be thou perfect. Now, God was speaking to Abraham at that age. Don't wait until you turn 99 and say, I'm going to commit my life to the Lord or that, you know, um, 89, 79, 69, 59, 39, you know, 29. Don't wait and say, oh, I'm going to wait. And No, as the Lord spoke to Abraham and told him to cut out your foolishness, he is speaking to us, each one of us and and each one of us should respond and cut out the foolishness, let go of the shenanigans that, that we all uh, have or had. It doesn't mean you have it today, but if you do, get rid of the shenanigans. This is what the Lord was telling Abraham. Get rid of it, man. It's time to stop. You know, you've done this long enough. Now you know, and so let's move forward. Some promises and some things are not going to come or manifest until you stop doing some things. And that's both naturally and spiritually. That, that's natural and spiritual. And there are some things that are just not going to manifest until you start doing things the right way. And so with that being said, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your goodness and grace for this opportunity to talk about your word today, Lord God, and for blessing each one under the sound of my those that are listening now, those that will be listening later. Thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for your kindness. 
you're good to us and we appreciate you for who you are. You're sovereign in our lives. Thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for protecting us, blessing us. Lord Jesus, the many blessings that we were not even aware or that we didn't think of until recently, Lord God, and the many blessings that you have bestowed upon us when we were out doing our own thing. And now that we we realize that, wow, you kept us throughout that time. when You kept us on the dance floor. You kept us when we were traveling. You kept us when we did silly things. You kept us, Lord God, in so many ways. You protected us even from our enemies at times that we were not even aware. Lord, thank you. Lord God, I ask that you remember those that are sick in their body, those that are seeking you for the Holy Ghost. Lord God, that you will bless them, that you will fill them with your spirit. Lord God, I pray that your truth prevail, let your truth have preeminence in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're in the 19th chapter of Genesis, and we're going to start with the, the, four, the, the fourth verse here. It says, but beloved, excuse me, but <laughs> before they laid down, before they laid down, <laughs> The men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both young and old. All the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters, which have not known men. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and you do, and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came in to sojourn and he will now be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them? And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the man put forth the hand, pulled Lot into the house into the house to them and shut the door. And they smote the men with that were at the door with blindness, small, both small, and so that they wearied themselves to find the door. Now, remember, we're just simply talking about the word of God. And tonight we're talking about Genesis 19, a verse we just read, verse 4 through 11. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about what happened here. You know, uh, there was now now before we go there, let me let me back up a little bit. Uh, there was a question presented Sunday morning um, by one of uh, our listeners who asked a question uh, because uh, Jesus was baptized and in his baptism, there was an open vision. And so the question was, uh, was this the first open vision seen by men? That was the question. 
because when you read in the scripture prior to that, they, we don't read, um, well, Lee says we're reading in uh, Mark, and maybe you've read also in Matthews and Luca, other, uh, uh, the synoptic gospels, that um, there was an open vision. And so the question is, was this the first open vision seen by men? And the answer to that is no. Uh, we'll find define the the first open vision that occurred uh, that I see in the scripture. And maybe if you see something else, please, please uh, take the opportunity to let us know. But uh, the first open vision that I see is in the book of Genesis. Now, when we talk about the open vision for I'm talking about something that everyone sees, not an individual. And that was what the question was based upon because there was a gathering of people. And so there was not one person that saw, but it was many that, that saw and heard what happened. And so the first open vision is found in Genesis 9, the eighth chapter. And it says, and God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him saying, and I beheld, I will, and behold, I will establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you and with every living creature that is with you of the fowls and cattle and every beast of the earth with you for all that go into the ark. Now, remember, this is the flood that has occurred and the Lord, I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off anymore by the waters of the flood. Neither shall there anymore be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the token of the covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature. So this was not visible and just to an individual, just to Noah and his family, but this is visible to every living creature. So that's human and uh, animal kingdom as well. So uh, this is the, the token of the covenant uh, that is with you, a perpetual for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud and that shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. I will remember my covenant. So uh, you can go on and finish reading that yourself in the uh, ninth chapter of Genesis, beginning at the eighth verse where God gives this covenant. And as you know, we, we look up and see rainbows and people have said, oh, there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And, you know, if it's raining outside, people have said that, you know, there's the sun is shining. There's a rainbow up. The devil is beating his wife, all kind of stuff. But the rainbow is an open vision. It's a covenant a promise that God has set for everyone to see what he will not do based upon his word. And so there's the first open vision. Uh, that is given that everyone is able to observe both man and uh, and animals alike. So let's go on and finish talking about Abram. Now you recall Abraham had a visitation, a manifestation of sovereign, and two of his servants came with him. So uh, Abraham looks up, or Abram at that time looks up, and he sees the visitors and, and he beckons to them. He invites them to his house and they, uh, they sat down and, and they met with him. 
and they enjoy the food that they was about to receive. Well, they continued on. The two angels continued on uh, down to Sodom. And um, and so these two angels, and, and so Lot now is at the gate of Sodom, and he sees them coming, the two visitors, and he bows himself. He greets them, um, and he invites them to come to his house and to stay there overnight, wash their feet, and rise up early and go on their way. And they said, no, we're, we're, we're going to stay here in the streets. We're going to chill outside. And he pressed upon them. He encouraged them to come into the house. And he made them food to eat, baked unleavened bread, and they did eat. And, and so it's interesting to note that angelic beings, God himself, sovereign, eats food, the same food uh, that you and I consume. So God can do whatever God wants to do. Yes, and I believe that. I don't believe that God is limited because if he's limited um, in what he does, then um, if there's anyone else that can do what he can't do, that would make them sovereign. But there's nothing too hard for God. There's nothing impossible for him. And so they relaxed, they ate food, they drank, uh, and, and had a... A comfortable setting uh, in Lot's house as they was welcomed in. Now, the, the Bible tells us that uh, in that fourth verse, the 19th chapter, but before they laid down, before they, they chilled and rested for the evening, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round uh, both young and old, all the people from every quarter. So the two angels are in the house in Lot's home with his wife and his daughters and his son-in-laws. Now, as the day ended, the men, uh, the young men, the old men, the, the teenagers, the uh, those that thought they was young and even though they weren't, and this would have included the women. Um, and so the, in my thoughts and, you know, and what I would say, um, well, I'll just go ahead and say it because let's just keep it. Uh, let's just be real about things. There, people are freakish in, in a different ways, and, and so uh, this would include. It said everyone, all the people from every quarter. So people were nosy, and people are still nosy and want to know what's going on. And and people take pleasure in other other people, other men's sins. The Bible tells us to be careful about that, and, and so they wanted to know who and what uh, about these men in Lot's home. Now, this is a good place to remind you that spirits are real. Spirits are real. Spirits do not die. Spirits are real. And so spirits oppress, spirits possess. People, when they allow, when they allow it to uh, to happen. And you don't have to become demon possessed and you don't have to remain in a in a demon possessed state or an oppressed state either. It happens through vulnerabilities, opportunities, things that we do, that we engage in, that uh, things happen and the enemy takes advantage of the individual in that moment. You have to be very careful who you go 
to for advice. You have to be very careful who you hang around. Even when they say it is a church setting, you need to be cautious. You need to be very careful um, because everyone is not a true, um, is not worshiping the Lord and the beauty of holiness. People have a lot of gimmicks going on. People have a lot of different things and, and people buy into that stuff. They buy into gimmicks. They buy into, because there's a crowd of people going, they buy into it and say, well, that must be of the Lord. And that's not necessarily true. That's not true in all instances. Matter of fact, the Bible said few there be saved. Broad is the way. So that leads to a different path. And I'm not going to stay there with that, but I just want you to know that that the majority uh, that though they say I'm their Christian or they say they're believer, they're not saying that there's a saint and saint identifies sanctification, which means you've been separated unto the Lord. And God refers to his people as saints. He does not refer to them as Christians. Nowhere in the, in the scripture, you won't find it. If you find it where God is referring to his people, his children as Christians, please share that with me. But besides that, it, the Bible calls for sanctification. It says, be holy for I am holy. And without holiness, then you'll find this in Hebrews, no man shall see the Lord. Now, spirits don't die. And we're talking about vulnerability and being overtaken by things and watching out where you go, and whether it has a church name on it or not, or, you know, you got to be careful. Your children got to be careful. Uh, and so um, things happen that allow spirits to come in and mess with your mind. It all starts with your mind. And so they will tell us to, to protect our heart, to guard our heart with all diligence. There could be an accident and that accident can lead to a number of things. Your heart is the most sensitive and the most valuable thing that you need to guard so that you don't become a prey. No one can, a predator, super predator, any type of predator cannot prey upon you. And as a leader, a, a, a leader, a, a dealing with souls and dealing with people. Any leader should be conscious, should be prayerful and consciously aware of this. And Hebrews 9 and 27 says, and as it is appointed unto man to die, but after this, the judgment. So spirits don't die, but you can and you will if the Lord tarry. Now, if the Lord, if the trumpet should sound, if the trump should sound, if the voice should be heard and the and Christ rise first and then we which are alive, then no, you won't die because you would have been caught up uh, with all the rest of the believers. Uh, as uh, as Jude, not Jude, as uh, well, Jude uh, wrote about what Enoch said. And so Enoch said that the, that he, uh, Jude said that Enoch prophesied and said the Lord is coming back with 10,000s of his saints. And, and so at that point, you would be part of the saints that are returning the saints that were caught up from the grave, those that were dead, and the saints that are alive. And so let's go on here. And, and so you have to, to know the judgment of God because so many people say, well, touch me, leave me alone. I want to be who I want to be. I'm doing me. And, and whatever vernacular, whatever phrase that they want to use, uh, the Bible tells us that some men's sins are, are open beforehand, going before judgment. And some men... Uh, sins follow after them. And, and so if you want to know what the judgment of God is like, then 
just read your Bible. Read the Bible. Open it up. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. But read the word of God. Be bold. Be as bold as you are with everything else. And look at what the word of God has to say as far as judgment. And no one has to judge you. And so no one has to point the finger at you. Matter of fact, I don't like pointing fingers at nobody. I think about myself and where God brought me from those many years ago and what he has had to deal with it to get me where I am today. All of us are a work in progress. And it don't mean that you're running around committing uh, what people call sins. But we're still a work in progress. We have attitudes that have to be worked on. We have feelings that have to be put in check. We we physically have to take care of ourselves, you know, and we have to spiritually feed ourselves and do it. We are a work in progress and it takes time. It takes time. It, it, the best thing we can do is encourage one another to live a sanctified life. This is why Paul said, uh, he said, I beseech you, brethren, uh, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. And that's the best thing that we can do is present ourselves and encourage others to do the same thing. You know, it's easy that I was telling my son uh, today, I said, I went, when I went to the gym this morning, I was on my way there and I, I noticed a man within my neighborhood that was running uh, up the street, jogging. And I said, hey, I, I recognized him. You know, this is what I'm saying to myself. And so then I go on to the gym and I'm jumping rope and I'm doing warming up and battle roping and getting ready to lift weights and stuff. And I turn around and I see this man at the gym. And I said, wow, I said, you you just I, I don't like you. Now, in my mind, I'm saying that I'm really joking when I say it, because I've been watching him run. I've been watching him jogging and I'm like, I really want, I desire to get myself up to that level of jogging that I see him doing. And, um, and I say, you know what? I need to befriend him so that I have somebody to run with. I, I need to become a friend of his. So I have someone that can encourage me to help me get to that level. So see, that's what we do with one another. We, uh, we stick with somebody and it helps us. It makes it easier to, to press your way when you don't feel like it, when there's someone else that's also helping you to press your way and you become a help to one another. Listen, there was unresolved issues in the lives of these people. Are there unresolved issues in your life? Maybe you have some unresolved issues in your home, on the job, different places, among different people. It was unresolved issues in the lives of these people that eventually became uh, that eventually became what they considered acceptable. It became something that they considered to be all right, a norm. And so Genesis tell us in the, the 18th chapter about the 20, uh, 20th verse, it says, and the Lord said, behold, uh, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sins is very grievous. I will go down now and see whether uh, they have done altogether according to the private. And so there's something about what we do that changes the atmosphere. You, you, may, you may have noticed this, but never put your finger on it. The sins was very serious. It was very grievous. It was such a way that it changed. Have you ever walked into a place and noticed the atmosphere? 
Hey, you ever, uh, it's just like when you walk into a good place and, and it's all peaceful. And, um, you know, there's certain, uh, there are certain parts uh, of the home that I've been, I've been over people homes and I, I'm like, wow, you know, there are certain rooms that remain so peaceful and there are other rooms that are not. And so I understand. So environments, we set environments, we set, just like when we come into church, there should be an environment of worship. There should be an environment of peace and praise and honor unto the Lord because it's set aside for that purpose. There should not be confusion and hostility. And you want that same thing in your home. You want that same thing in, in your home. When you go in your bedroom to lay down, you should be able to lay down with a, a sense of peace and not hostility or anything. It should be comfortable. And so you have to set that environment. Uh, you know, there's tension when you walk in a home. Usually when there's tension, I mean, again, that's an unresolved issue. That's the elephant in the room. Everybody's ignoring it. And it could be on the job or any other place. Well, uh, the Bible says that Sodom and Gomorrah was, was great. Uh, the noise that was there, the tension that was there, the sin that was there had 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 was to the extent that it caught God's attention. And he said, I'm going to go down and see whether they have done altogether according to the private, which is coming to me. And if not, I will know it. Uh, when, and so the Lord did not go. He stayed with Abram, and, but the two angels went. And they would go and they would eventually give a report or they would do carry out what God has told them to do. The Bible said in the fifth verse, and they called unto Lot and said unto him, where are the men which come, which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. Now, immediately, many people, and I've heard it through the years of, and, you know, and I heard it even recently, People immediately said, you know, they went straight into the LGB uh, and homosexuality and different things. And but let, let's talk about this here. Let's talk about it. And they came unto Lot and said unto him, where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And so where are the men? We want to know where they are. Bring them out to us. We want to know them. Now, this is a this those three statements by itself is a small list of end of windows. A small list of end of windows. Now, I'm going to say that they are sexual end of windows. And I say that because if you look at your life, if you if you are honest with yourself, you have used those same statements. Now, maybe the idiom, the vernacular was a little different for our day and time, but you yet did the same thing. How many times have you used this uh, uh, toward a man or toward a woman? Or maybe you and your buddies are getting ready to go out where the ladies at, you know, or the ladies is like, hey, hey, we going, you know, uh, we going over here. And what their intentions are, the intentions was not just to all the time, not just to have a ladies night or, you know, just to chill and chat about stuff. If you, uh, you know, one songwriter said, if your chick get close to me, she ain't going home where she's supposed to be. You, you know, same thing. It's the same thing. They're into windows. Now she's out looking. And of course, if she's getting pushing up on somebody else, there is 
a demonstrative intention that's already there. And so when I get finished, I'm going to send him home to you. Same thing for the ladies. The point is, is that people act out and do things. And yet we want to look and say someone else is worse than we are. I'm telling you, don't. People are looking for a way out and they don't know how to get out of the mess that they've gotten themselves into. People are in situations because of various reasons again. And you'll never know what that reason is. And some some of you don't need to know what people, what they're dealing with and their reasons and, and how they got there. You just need to know that they want out and us to know, to tell them how to get out instead of beating on them. Now, I met a young man who, um, there was a young, young brother that was coming to church and this young brother had was dealing with some issues and someone saw him coming to church and they blew up and started talking about how they wouldn't allow him to come to church and he should not be in the church. What other place is somebody gonna go to for help? If you if you're cut, if someone cut your finger off, you're gonna go to the hospital. You're gonna go to the doctor to get it sewn up to stop the bleeding. What about you spiritually? You're wounded. You're hurt. Where's your deliverance uh, gonna come from if you don't go to a church that is full of truth and power? If you don't go to a place where they believe that God is able, uh, with loving arm and care, to help you and to coach you and to mentor you and to be a source of strength to help you just like someone did for you. Now, the Lord had mentioned this. This is not the first time because when we see in Genesis 13 and 13, it said, but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. So they were into some stuff. They were into some stuff just like you and I was. So let's look at, Let's look at uh, Corinthians 6, 9, 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? The, the men in Sodom and the women and the people that was there was unrighteous. And their unrighteousness was noticeable. And the Bible said, uh, be not deceived, neither fornicators nor adulterers or uh, or." Uh, okay. Idolaters, okay, worshiping idols and adulterers, infeminate, that's what I was trying to get out. There we go. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetousness, nor drunkards, nor uh, violers or extortioners uh, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of Jesus and the Lord Jesus by the spirit of our God. Now, he lists out, and I've only made a list of 12 things that he mentioned. Unrighteousness is not going to inherit the kingdom of God. How was the people in Sodom? Unrighteous. How were you? Unrighteous. He said, be not deceived. Uh, the people in Sodom, what was they? They was deceived. Uh-huh. The Sepulchons are real. They were there. I'm not talking about the movies, but you get it. And some of us was deceived and some of us was, were the deceivers. No fornicators, person who has sexual intercourse with someone who is not, they're not married to. Some of y'all uh, are doing that now. Some have stopped. Some want to stop and don't know how to stop. 
um, you know, as one young lady told me that was in the church that she can't help it. She got to have sex with some and, you know, and so uh, knowing right from wrong. But yet at the same time, she was still shacking up. Is that, the, is that even a word today? Shacking up? Let's just say she was still they were still friends with benefits. And so how do you point the finger at other people that are doing something wrong and you're doing the same thing because you say you would never do that? Uh, be for real. You don't know what you might never do. You say what you never will do and you find yourself doing it. Nobody. I love the commercials because they have truth to them that says, you know, no one when they were born and they was asked, you know, what do you want to grow up to be that they said they was going to grow up and be a prostitute. They was going to grow up and be a drug addict or anything. None of us said that. No. But things happen in life and you find yourself in situations and you find yourself in a situation sometime doing something and you don't want to label it. You don't want to label it because it because it gives you a sense of, OK, if I don't label it, then, then that's not what I'm doing. But it, deep down inside, we know what we're doing. An idolator, a person who worship idols. Or adulterers, a person who commits adultery, sneaking around. Fooling around with someone that that you're not married to, or even in your mind, you at home, you, you you smashing with your wife or your husband, and but you're thinking about someone else. And you know it's interesting because people know when you slamming uh, that that man, you wasn't like that before. And so who are you thinking about this? This is some. It's interesting how our spirits pick up on things. You gotta be careful. And not do that. Let, not be careful and be deceptive. I'm saying don't do that. Don't find yourself in that position. Now, this is interesting because an infeminate uh, spirit, which we see today, it, it's normal. Uh, people accept it. It's called the new norm or it's called normal, whatever. Um, where people, men, men have characteristics that are similar to that of a woman. And regarded as, and, and this is regarded by the word of God as being inappropriate. Now, there is a trend, and it's not a new trend. It may be something that uh, that was not really noticed before. But I remember back in the day when you, you look at old Michael Jackson videos and different things or look at certain artists, they had on makeup. They had on eyeliner. They had their fingernails polished and all of this stuff. Well, today that that still exists. And I see teenagers, males, um, uh, with their nails polished and all kind of stuff. We'll let that just kind of sit for a moment. And I see brothers that act very feminine, act very feminine, even in their voice, whereas their voice would have dropped. Now, now their voice is back high again, you know, and, um, and so they have much characteristic, and it's not because they was raised in a home uh, by their mom uh, individually. I was raised in a single family uh, parent home. And so I, you know, so there are, so as women might say, well, I can't raise a male, but that's, that's not true. Women do raise men, children, men teen and men adults on their own and they be and they do not walk acting feminine they're very masculine uh, for themselves 
And, and so uh, my hat's off. I applaud you moms, single parents, and as well as dads, the same thing. Now, there are some things you cannot teach them. Uh, I didn't teach my daughters and about uh, personal things. I wouldn't have known where to start. I would not have felt comfortable unless I was forced in a situation that I had to do that. But at that point, you reach out to someone that is capable that you can trust that can help in certain areas. And this, you know, and there's mothers in the churches, at least I hope there are that are mature enough that can that know how to properly approach someone and to help uh, single parents out in certain areas. And the same thing with with brothers. Uh, there may be a single mom uh, that has a son and he needs uh, a mentor, a male mentor that can help him. He needs someone that he can trust, someone he can depend on, not someone that is going to abuse him or any other thing, or someone that's going to make him feel complete. And at the same time, not hitting on his mother. You know, there's just certain things and certain ways of doing stuff. And so let's go on here. And so in the infeminate acting in such a way that is inappropriate, you know, men acting like women. And so needless to say, talk about, needless to say, we have uh, women that are also acting like men. You know, one of the terrible statements that I've heard women say is, I don't need a man. Well, uh, God didn't say that. And he didn't tell men to walk around talking about, well, I don't need a woman. Uh, you know, uh, listen. All right. Seven, <laughs> nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Now, how many of you found yourself abused, abusing yourself uh, with someone? You don't feel worthy. And so you you lay down and you you cave, you give in. Uh, you know, to different um, immoralities uh, because you, you feeling bad about yourself. You just cave. And, and so this is why I say we nobody have a right to point the finger at other people. You know, you, you do get involved in situations that under normal circumstances you wouldn't do. You know, um, and so uh, people have gone from male and female have gone from areas that we would consider down low secret things that they don't want nobody even to beastology you know and so putting oneself out there just abusive to oneself with another person a thieves or covetousness someone has something and so now you want to you want it it belongs to someone else you don't want to work hard for it but you're gonna you wish you had it to the point you talk about listen drunkards um those that are revelers and uh, some being abusive and contentious with other people. Now we read about that. We read about that even in here in Genesis. And extortioners acting criminal acts of extorting money from someone by threatening them or exposing embarrassing information about them. And then if you threaten somebody for money or anything like that, uh, that's robbery force using force or fear to obtain something is robbery and so you don't want to do any of that and so lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him so lot is standing outside and i don't know if there if it was an elevated porch or if he was just standing on a slab but he's standing there and he shut the door behind them and asked him uh, don't don't do this now uh scripture said now behold behold now i have two daughters now i feel sorry for these women 
A lot says I, I have two daughters and I cringe. I cringe because as a dad and, I, and having two daughters and, and many goddaughters now and godsons, you know, I cringe at this statement. I remember when my daughters was young and I I thought about it and I said, you know what? The Bible said we what we sow. And so you got to be careful, dads. You got to be careful because if you are abusive, and I don't mean physically abusive, I don't mean emotionally abusive. Let's just talk about the fact that if you if you scope and every time a woman walked by, you lusting after them, you turning your head and all that kind of stuff. Well, how would you feel if somebody was doing that to your daughters? Because you're gonna reap it back. And it's gonna, and you don't know how it's gonna come. And, and so you, you have to be careful what you do in this life because things are going to come back and haunt you. Lot had two daughters who had not known a man. Now remember, they had he had they were aged, but they had not done anything. So, so that brings up other questions regarding the situation that they that Lot found himself in when he left Abram and went over into what he thought was green pasture. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do ye to them as good in your eye. That's pretty messed up. Yeah, that's that's pretty messed up. That's some serious stuff there. And I don't think anyone is going to go for that. Not today. Only unto these men do nothing for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. These are my visitors and you're trying to get at them. And they said, stand back. And they again, they was telling him to get out the way. Now, remember, Lot was sitting at the the judgment gate. He was sitting at the gate where the elders would sit at and as security and as judge. And now they're throwing this back in his face, man. You you a visitor here. You sojourning. You a visitor. And now you're gonna act like you a judge over us? Get over here. They they ready to abuse him. And they pressed sore upon him. They was coming after him when he was snatched back into the house. And then the two angels put forth their hand and smote the man with blindness. And so, and they could not find them. They worried themselves, but not only the, the men, but if there was women there, whoever was pressing there to get in, who was partakers of another man's sins because of what they wanted to do in that moment. Some people just wanted to watch. Some people wanted to participate. Some people wanted to say that they was there so that they, you know, as they do today in so many uh, levels and social media, uh, they want everybody want to be the first to see what happened. And it's not that they want to rescue a person from this situation, but they want to be there so they can sell it. They want to be there so they can remember that day. They want to be there for the wrong reasons. And so these people were smoted with blindness. But you know what? Let's talk about this. Let's think about the fact that of where we were. If we were in Sodom, if we were in Gomorrah, if we was in uh, over Jordan in that area, and if we possessed any of the characteristics that, that we read from in Corinthians as being unrighteous, as being a deceiver, as being a fornicator, idler, a, a adulterer, or effeminate, or abuser, uh, or a thief or covetousness or a drunkard or a reveler or extortioner, we would have came under condemnation with them. 
we would have came under the same condemnation. The punishment that was about to be ushered out would have hit us too. So it's not limited to just a person's desire or their thirst um, as they're doing. It embodies whatever is offensive to God, whatever is offensive to him. And we know within our Noah, within our Noah, Noah, what is offensive to God? Now, the Bible tells us that a man is drawn away of his, uh, of his own lust. And you'll find this in James, uh, that when we have unresolved issues within ourselves and we, don't, and we don't work at that, it eventually comes out, no matter what it is. It eventually is going to find its way out of us and we're going to act upon it. We have to deal with those things. We have to deal with them and train our body and our spirit. As Paul said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. But Paul also said, I crucify this flesh daily. I put myself in check daily. This is what Paul was saying. And the same thing that we have to do. That we have to put ourselves in check daily. Every day is a new day. And you might go through this entire day not having any issues. Maybe you didn't even leave your house. Maybe you was at home all day. Maybe you was just chilling and just and just enjoying life and just relaxing. Didn't didn't think about going out to do anything. Didn't think about doing anything wrong or, and that's good. But what about when you are out? What about if it's a road rage situation? But what if what if it's a situation where you just felt like they pushed the wrong button and you just wanted to explode? You wanted to let it all out. You want to give them in whatever language. <laughs> that you wanted to give it in and, and put them in. Listen, we all have to check ourselves so that we don't wreck ourselves. The men of Sodom and Gomorrah, the, the Bible said that they were wicked sinners before the Lord exceedingly because they didn't check themselves. Matter of fact, they looked at themselves and everybody after a while said, hey, this is the norm. This is the norm. And we're on that same path today that in America and uh, on other continents, it's the norm. This is the norm. You know, it may not be that, that, that they say, well, we're going to break the law. You know, some people and somebody drinking, somebody, doing, but, but there is a bigger picture of what people consider to be the norm that is offensive to God. And because of that, the judgment of God came. Now, if you don't want the judgment of God in your house, a lot escaped, and we, I don't want to go far into that because there are some, some other things to be said. But let's think about it and talk about it. You know, it's important that we talk about these things and deal with them on the level that God wants to deal with them. Don't, don't, don't get tunnel vision and focus on one thing. There are a number of issues that we can talk about and think about that are offensive to God that we don't want to because we excuse them ourselves. But let's take the time and examine our own hearts. Let's take the time and examine ourselves and make sure that we are right with God. If this people of Sodom and Gomorrah had did that, then God would not have come to see what was going on. The two angels would not have gone down into their city. Lot. Lot, who was not committing 
that sin. Now, I want you to think about what I just said. Lot who was not committing that sin. And I didn't say what that sin was. But on our next Bible class, we'll get into another area. Because Lot found himself in a situation that he did not have to be in. How many situations will we find ourselves in and take the escape out? Let's look for the escape route. Let's not remain in situations where we know it is not pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord God, for your goodness and grace. Thank you for your love today. Thank you, Lord God, for keeping our hearts. Lord God, and I thank you for blessing each individual that took time out of their, their schedule to join in with us this evening to hear your word, Lord Lord Jesus, as they are considering and thinking about what was said. And Lord Jesus, they're hungry and thirsty for righteousness. You said if we're hungry and thirsty for righteousness, that we shall be filled. Lord, I pray and ask that the cups be overflowed. Lord God, as, as I've heard it said before, that if the cup is overflowing, then it will spill over and the saucer will be blessed. Lord, bless them, Lord God. Bless their homes, bless them on their job, bless them in their travels. Lord, I pray and ask that you will crown each of us, uh, our heads with wisdom and knowledge. Lord Jesus, knowledge that so we know how to act on the job, that we know how to act in the school and wherever we are, Lord Jesus, that we be found pleasing in your sight. We thank you, Lord God, for your kindness. We thank you for your grace and mercy. We ask these blessings in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you, again, if you're looking for a church home, if you're looking for, uh, for to be blessed and to be taught, I want to encourage you to join in with us, follow with us, and be blessed with us. Continue to pray for me as I am praying for you. Uh, again, uh, let me just touch this uh, one more time. On Sunday, the question was asked, what was the first open vision that men uh, saw? You know, because we were talking about the Holy Ghost. And the Bible said when Jesus was baptized that the, the heavens opened and the spirit of the Lord came down, descended like a dove. It didn't say it was a dove. And, and so um, there was other people there that saw this. And the question was asked, was this the first open vision? And the answer to that is no. The first open vision that everyone has, was exposed to is found in Genesis, the ninth chapter, where the Lord established the rainbow as a covenant there was no rainbow uh, prior to this that we are aware of but now there's an open vision of a rainbow uh, in the clouds that god uses and it shows it is displayed not only to humans but to animals as a promise and this is an open vision that god has given uh, as a result of the flood that he would never flood the earth again with water but judgment will come a different way all right, continue to pray for me. Share the love, share the blessing unto others. In Jesus' name, God bless you.